Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. So over the last few weeks, um, I have unfortunately been at a ton of doctor's appointments and man, you walk in and right they're, they're, they're talking and they're walking through and you're explaining things and you got to review all these things and blood pressure and all, you know, and all these things. And so I was meeting with one of the doctors and uh, she was like, Hey, while you're here though, we're just going to do a quick examination. I'll like, say, yeah, that's cool. Let's, you know, let's go. And um, so she starts doing all these things. She's like, Hey, I want you to close your eyes, put your hands out in front of you, you know, touch your nose, touch your nose. Okay, great. And I want you to stand on your tiptoes. Awesome. Now walk on your heels. And then uh, she's like, okay, sit back down. Okay. Push, you know, push my hand out. I'm trying to push and do all these things. And then, you know, she grabs the handy dandy uh, little device and she's hitting nerves and thumping. And uh, I don't know about you, but you ever feel like for me, every now and then I just want to fake it. <laughs> like when they go to hit my knee, be like, oh my gosh, like, oh, are you okay? No, I was just playing with you, but I didn't. And uh, so she goes ahead and, you know, and, and, and keeps the examination going. And, and the heart of the examination was to make sure that both sides of my body were equally healthy, right? That was the heart of the examination to make sure that both sides of my body are equally healthy. I have a question as we jump into the sermon this morning for all of us. When is the last time you allowed the Holy Spirit to do an examination to make sure you are spiritually healthy? Right? When's the last time you, you gave the freedom to Holy Spirit to say, 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 Jesus, I'm here, Lord, I'm here, Holy Spirit, I'm here. Would you do an examination of my heart, of my mind, of my spirit? Because I want to make sure that I am spiritually healthy. And so today, we're, after we're done reading our text, we're going to ask five questions. And then at the end of the service, we're going to give, just, we're going to give some time for Holy Spirit to do what Holy Spirit does best, and that's to work in our lives. And so in the book of John, chapter 5, in verses 1 through 15, uh, this is the second part of a, a series that we've entitled Changed. And so we're looking at individuals who had an encounter with Jesus, and their lives were changed. And here is another encounter this morning. So sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now understanding they went up, that was the only way to get to Jerusalem uh, because of where it's located. It says, now there, is, now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number <laughs> of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, one of who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, so understand something, then Jesus was asking about him. And you're like, how do we know? Because he learned, right? There, there must have been some type of question that Jesus was asking, like, hey, tell me more about this guy. What, what's, what's his story? What's his situation? And Jesus learns <laughs> that for 38 years, he had been in this condition. He goes on to say, when Jesus saw him lying there and, and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? I don't know about you, but is that a surprise question? Like if someone had been in a condition for 38 years, really, Jesus, this is, this is your question, do I want to get well? Of course I want to get well. I mean, I've been this way for 38 years, and so yes, I want to get well, but his answer is, sir, he said, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. 
While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. And so they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who had been healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can dive into your word. Or not, not only that we, we have an opportunity to read it, to hear it, but we now have an opportunity to apply it to our lives. So God, would you, would you use this today as we, as we dive into an examination? Would you examine us that our lives could be changed for you and your glory in Jesus' name? Amen. So one of the, the first questions that we're going to ask today and we're going to ponder today is, are you willing to be examined? Verse 5, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he learned that he had been in this, this condition for a long time. So there is an examination process. Jesus learns. He sees. You see, the man's problem in this text is very similar to maybe some of the problems that we face today. When we, when we come to church, maybe not this church, but maybe other churches, right? That we, we walk in and maybe we find ourselves just like this paralytic because we feel stuck. We feel stuck. For 38 years, he could not do anything by himself. And many of you may be feeling this way today. You walked in and you feel stuck. You feel stuck spiritually. You're not, you're not growing. You're not spending time in the word. You're, you're like, man, life group, nope, that ain't gonna happen because I ain't trying to hang out with people, right? That's, that's not a good idea. Your, your church attendance is like, ah, nah, 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 right? And, and watching online, that's not an option either. And so we feel stuck in our spiritual growth. We feel stuck emotionally. Right? We're, stuck, we're stuck in the invisible prison of our minds where, where, where worry and doubt and fear and frustration and, and, and all of those things get the best of us. We feel stuck sometimes in our marriages. Right? We, we married to uh, Mr. and Mrs. You know, Krabby Pants. And it's like, man, I, I didn't know it was going to be like this. They were much nicer when I said I do. That was not the time to look at your spouse, by the way, when he said, Krabby Pants, he's talking to you. No, that's the wrong idea. I don't point no fingers. But, but that's what we do. We feel stuck. We feel stuck in our jobs. Like, well, I got to have money. So I'm guessing I'm going to work. Don't really like it, but I'm going to go. Right? We, feel, we feel stuck in our friendships. We don't even like the people, and we keep hanging out with them, and yet they keep bringing us down. Right? And so we're, we're stuck, and, and too often we become stuck because we become stagnant. We quit moving in a forward direction. We quit pursuing the things like Christ that are right in front of us. And we quit pursuing our calling. We quit pursuing our spouse. I tell couples all the time, like, hey, what did you do when you were dating? Oh, we would go out, we would do this. And I was like, why'd you stop? Why'd you stop? Why do you quit pursuing? Right, the one, the one you said I do to, why do you quit pursuing? So you have, to, you have to make sure that you don't become stuck and become stagnant because you quit pursuing. And we quit pursuing wholeness in our spiritual and our mental health. We quit pursuing friendships because they hurt. And then what happens is we become, we become people. We become a church who just goes through the motions. Right? I feel like church should be more, I feel like the mentality of the church should be more like the mentality, I believe it's of the Marine Corps, first in, last out. Right? We should be the first ones to show up and the last ones to leave. 
And you're like, why would I want to do that? Right? Because what happens when we, when we show up early and, no, and I'm not picking, like, I don't have a camera of who showed up late today. Okay. So if you showed up late, I'm not picking on you. I already wrote this before you showed up. All right. Uh, but here's the deal. We, we show up and it's like, oh man, I just got, I'm just going to sneak in. And then as soon as they say, amen, I'm going to sneak out. And what do we do? We miss relational connection. We miss an opportunity to connect with someone, maybe who's walking through something. But here's the deal. Maybe it's not because you're walking through something and you need something for them. Maybe they're walking through something and it's an opportunity to you to speak into their life. Amen. And so don't miss those chances. Right? And then you go through the motions, like, I'll just, be, I'll just sneak in, I'll sit down, and then I'll do my thing, and I'll worship, and then I'll go get my cup of coffee, and that'll be great, and then all of a sudden they'll preach, and that's fine, and then, they're, then there's going to be an application, but I don't really want to apply because I'm just going through a motion or a routine. And then you leave, and then it's back to the regular grind. And I don't, I don't want to be a church, I don't want to be a people that gets stuck. Because sometimes when we're stuck, you know what we do is we find all of the flaws but we're never willing to look in the mirror, right? We find the flaws in everyone else. We find the flaws in the church. Like, oh, you know what? They should, they should have totally done this different. If they would have said this, if, if the temperature in the room would have been right. And then, man, what happens when we become stuck is we become a part of the problem instead of the solution, right? I, I would rather be a part of a solution than a part of the problem. And so if you want to be spiritually healthy, then take some time to go through the examination. Right? Take the time to allow God to pinpoint some areas in your life where you're like, is this, is this it? God, is this it? Is this something that's holding me back? Is this, is this something that's a distraction in my life? Is this, is this the area? Is this the concern that, that you're looking at? And so God, I want you to pinpoint those areas because I need your help. And so the first question is, are you willing to be examined? The second question, if you're taking notes, is are you mindful of who's in the waiting room? Are you mindful of who is in the waiting room? In verses three and seven, it says, here a great number, a large number, a mass of people who had, who had lied there outside the pool, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. In verse seven says, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. So there's, there, there's a belief that when the water would be stirred, that, that the first one in would receive the healing. And so there's a mentality that if I can get in first, but, but no one's here to help me. And so I wonder this morning, who's in your circle of influence? Who's in your circle of influence? Right, we say it all the time, right? Show me your friends, show me your future. I'll tell you your future, right? The scripture speaks of, of what happens when, when um, bad company corrupts good character. Right, so we see that, and so I wonder if we would take a moment and just ask ourselves, who's in the waiting room? Who do we find ourselves associating with? Are they gonna bring us down or are they gonna pick us up? See, in this biblical account, understand something. The scripture says, when he said, when the scripture says he's been there for 38 years, in biblical times, if you had family, if you had friends that loved you, then what they would do is they would pick you up every morning and they would bring you to the pool. And then at night, when everything was done, they would pick you up and take you back home and take care of you. But if you didn't have that loved one, if you didn't have that friend, what that meant was this pool, this gate, this area, those people, they are now your family and they're your friends because you don't ever leave. He would have laid there for 38 years. But maybe he did have people in his life who loved him. Maybe he did have people who would bring him there in the morning. My question would be this, then why didn't they stay with him? 
Why didn't they stay? If it was about first in, if it was about if, I, if the water starts stirring, then we can go ahead and get our friend in. I don't know about you, but I want some friends who are gonna fight with me. I want some friends who are gonna stand by my side. I want some friends that in the darkest moments of my life will wait and be able to lift me up and put me in first. And so who's in our sphere of influence? Who has that kind of influence and impact into our life? Here's what I love about this passage. In John chapter four, if you go back, so we're in John five, if you go to John chapter four, there's another great count of someone's life who was changed. And this was the woman at the well. And so Jesus has this encounter. He goes out of his way. He meets with this woman and he's having a conversation and it's kind of back and forth. Like he's like, give me a drink. And she's like, bro, you don't have, you don't have a spoon. You don't have nothing to get it. And, he, and, and he's like, no, why don't you? And, and she's like, do you know what you're asking? Like you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. This is not how this is supposed to be. And then Jesus goes along and he says, he says this, he says, I'm the living water. And if you drink of me, you will never thirst again. Now the paralytic says, Jesus, I don't have anyone who will help me get in the water. And some of you may feel that way today where you're like, listen, I want to get well. I want to be healed. I want to be restored, but I have no one in my corner who will help me get in the water. And I wonder, do they even care? But I want you to know today that someone is available to help. And hear me on this, because for some of us today, you can't get in the water, but the water is coming to you. You can't get in the water. You, no, no one's there to help me. But I want you to know something. Just like the woman at the well, the water is coming to you. This invalid, this paralytic, for 38 years had laid by this pool and could not be the first in. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. And it's in that moment where this man's life was changed forever because he didn't have to be the first in the water when the water came to him. And I want you to know this morning, the water is here to meet with you, the living water. Jesus is in a pursuit of you. Let that sink in for a moment. He's in pursuit of you. He sees you. How many other people? We don't know, but we do know it was a large group of, of those who were, who, were, who were sick in body and paralyzed and invalid, had something wrong with them. There was a large group, yet out of everybody there, Jesus saw him. Out of everybody here today, Jesus sees you. And you're like, really? He's here to meet with me? Beyond a shadow of a doubt. That's his heart's desire is to have an encounter with you that your life, just like this paralytic's life, could be changed forever. You see, your spiritual life is often influenced by those who you're in close proximity to. If, if, if they are not motivated or led to grow, they will begin to wear you down. They will begin to wear you down. And so how do you choose who's in your waiting room? Right? How do you choose who's in your waiting room carefully? Right? You want to make sure you're choosing people that will help you and not hinder you. Right? If, you're like, if your friends are always like, hey, it's Saturday night, it's time to go out, and your words are, you know what, I, need to, I, I don't want to be out that late because I want to get up and I want to go to church. If their thought life back to you is, do you really need that? I'm not so sure that's the people you want in your waiting room. You want people who will help you and not hinder you. You want people who will motivate you without prodding you. Right? How many know what I'm talking about? Like you, you, you see like those cattle, they get proud and it's like hot nah, in that pain. You need someone who can just breathe and speak life into you without just telling you you're wrong every five seconds. 
and prodding at you, but you need someone who will motivate you. You need someone who will encourage you without scolding you. You need someone in your life who will pick you up when you're weak. That's the kind of people that I want in my waiting room. The third question this morning is, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? He asked him, right? He, you, Jesus said, do you want to get well? But did you see the response of the paralytic? Did you read that? As soon as Jesus asked the question, the paralytic responds with an excuse. But sir, I have no one. There's no one here that's going to help me in. So, so yes, I want to, but unfortunately, I'm unable to. What this paralytic needed was a breakthrough, but instead of the breakthrough, he starts with an excuse. But I wonder this morning if we would just lean in for just a moment and understand that breakthrough begins when my excuses end, right? Breakthroughs begin when my, when our excuses end. We're like, man, I, I don't need to make an excuse. I'm just gonna lean into whatever the Spirit is asking me to do this morning. And so just like Jesus asked the question to that man that day, I ask you that same question. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? But here, here's, here's the struggle. And I, and I know not everybody is gonna answer that question the same. And here's why. Because sometimes getting well is harder than staying sick. Right? Sometimes getting well is harder than staying sick because bad habits creep in, don't they? How many of you have ever said this statement? One day, one day, right? One day I'm going to go to the gym, one day. So I did, I walked in, I walked out and I said, done, one day, done. Right? One day, I'm going I'm to get healthy. I'm going to start eating the right foods. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of myself. So one day, it's going to happen. You know what? One day, one day, I'm, I'm going to quit smoking. One day, I'll do it. I'm going to do it. One day, just not today, probably not tomorrow, not the next day, but one, but one day. One day. One day. One day, man. One day. I'll, I'll, I'll quit drinking. One day. One day. But not Monday night, because the Browns play... Pittsburgh, so that not Monday night. One day, one day, I'm going to read more. I'm going to dive into the word more. One day, instead of just playing on my phone or watching TV or, or binge watching this series for nine hours, one day, I'm going to read more and watch less. That's just, just one day. But the reason we are getting well is because it's easier to be sick. Because th to get well, it's going to take some effort. It takes some grit. It takes some tenacity. It takes some fight, right? There has to be something inside of you that's gonna help fight for you. But here's what I know. If we're willing, it'll all be worth it. It'll all be worth it. Let's, let's go back for just a moment. I have met very few people who've ever said, you know what? Let me tell you something, Pastor Lance. My life got so much worse when I started eating healthy. Like, it was horrible. I lost, I lost 40 pounds. I felt disgusting, right? I didn't like who I was becoming in the mirrors. I started shedding this weight and then going to the gym. Like, I, I just, you know what I mean? It just was the machines that would mock me. It was just horrible. It was a bad experience. And, and so it, I just, I got healthy and I was miserable. I've never met anybody who said that. You know, Pastor Lance, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah. And hear me on this. This isn't, this isn't judgment. Right? Remember, I had, the, I had a conversation one time with this guy I was working with in the warehouse when I was uh, 
plumbing supply house manager and, and he, he's, you know, he's out on his break and he's just catching a smoke. And I said, hey, I'm just curious, man, on, on average, like, cause my, parent, my parents all smoked and uh, my mom would smoke two, three packs a day. That was normal. And uh, I said, how much do you think you spend per month? And this time, you know, it was like, you know, three bucks for a pack of cigarettes. Now I've, I feel like you, you, gotta, you literally gotta walk in with an arm, right? And, and he's like, I don't know, probably 200 bucks. And I was like, can you just imagine what you could do with that 200 bucks every month, right? I've never met someone, you know what? I don't want it. I don't need it. You keep my money. I don't want the 200 bucks. I've never met anybody that said, hey, when I quit smoking, I could breathe better. And that was horrible, right? And so, so you don't run into people. And, and I've never ran anybody said, you know what? The day my marriage fell apart was the day that I quit drinking. Usually that doesn't happen. Right? The day that I decided to start attending church, the day that one day when I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read more and watch less, that was it. My life was ruined. We don't see that. The crazy thing about the paralytic, if you read in the text, is he had no clue who he was talking to. And I wonder this morning, do we have any clue who we're meeting with today? Do we have any clue who we have an opportunity to talk with today? The problem sometimes is we focus so much on our issues that we forget to discover who our Savior is. Right? We focus so much on the problem that we miss the problem solver. Right? We, get, we get stuck in a pattern of, man, I, I just need to complain about this. I need to get this out. And I wonder if the question should be answered today. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? The fourth question that we can look at is, are you willing to pick up your mat and walk? In verses eight and nine, Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The Greek word right there for, for get up or pick, get up is wake up, rise up, come to life. Right? He's telling him, it's time. Why don't you stand up? Why don't you get up? Why don't you wake up? Why don't you stop living this way? Why don't you have new life and found in me? And so come to life. And then what's he do? He picks up his mat and at once he's cured. He could have listened and never moved. Here's what I know. Revelation without application is fruitless, right? When we hear something, when Jesus is asking something of us and we have the revelation and we're hearing it and the spirit is speaking, but we never have the application, then it just becomes fruitless living. You see, when God is the one asking the questions, it should compel us to action, right? When he's the one asking, Right? If you ever go to a baseball game, softball game, and somebody yells, heads up, what do you do? No, you know, it should actually be heads down. I don't know why we say heads up. But he when somebody yells, heads up, right, you duck. Right? I, I still play competitive softball. And there are moments, like when I'm, I'm running somewhere and I know the ball is coming, I, I'm not wearing a helmet. And so when I, when I see the, the, whether it's the third baseman, I'm coming in the third and he's like this and he's getting ready to catch, I put my hands over my head because I'm not trusting him to catch it, but I'm trusting myself in that moment to protect my head. Why? Because it's like, it's a heads up moment. So I want to duck for those of you who love going golfing. If you hear four, what do you do? You get out of the way. It was so funny a couple, couple weeks ago. We were out golfing. Uh, we got invited, Pastor Matt and I, to go play at a country club. And so we're playing at a country club. And the guy that we were playing with, no joke, hits, goes directly, like he crushes this thing so far away from the hole, right at this other group of four golfers. And you hear four. And I was like, four! You see these guys duck 
ball goes flying right by him, almost hits one guy. The guy who hit it, no joke, gets behind the golf cart like this. (laughs) And so I'm standing over there like, bro, it wasn't me. But that's what we do. When you hear four, you get out of the way. You want to make sure. Why? Because you're covering up. You're protecting yourself. So when someone speaks, you're compelled to action. For instance, husbands, if you're talking to your wife and you ask her a question and she says, that's fine, I'm fine. I'm going to give you a marital tip this morning. It's not even, this is not even part of the sermon, right? Just a little marital tip. You have three things you can do in that moment. Number one is this, change the narrative. Change the narrative. If your wife says, I'm fine, then you can put on your little Rico Suave hat and be like, yeah, girl, you are. Like, you fine. Right? So that's one. The second option is you say, okay, thanks, and you walk away. Third option, (laughs) lean in. Lean in. You sure you're okay, boo? Everything okay? I just want to make sure you are fine. Everything good? Right? So, So what do you do when you hear something, when a question is asked, you are compelled to action. So when God is the one asking the question, then you should be moved to action. So if God is asking you for, to be in the word more, pick it up. If God is asking you that he wants to hear your worship, regardless of the song, let it fly. Right? If God is asking to want to hear and communicate with you and talk with you more, then talk back to him. If God is saying, I want you to serve, then go to the Connection Center and sign up to serve. Right? If God is asking you to fast, then you're, you should be compelled to action and begin fasting. If God is asking you to give, then you should give generously. Can you just imagine for a moment that you go to the doctor, you got something wrong with you, right? You go in and they're like, man, I, I see what this is. This is a sinus infection. I'm going to give you five. I'm gonna get for, this is what I'm going to do. This is all you're going to take, right? Five days, one pill a day. You're going to be great. So just take those. If, you, if symptoms worse, worsen or you don't get any better, then call me back, right? And it's seven days later. It's seven days later and you call the doctor and you're like, doctor! You gave me this prescription and I still feel sick. I feel horrible. And the doctor says, did you take all five days? If your response sounds like this, no, I didn't even take the prescription. Why would you, why would you doctor, why would you give me something that's going to help me? What right do you have to tell me what to do? How many know that makes no sense? But isn't that what we do with God? He has given us his prescriptions. He has written them out in his word. He has said, hey, you wanna have life? You wanna be well? Here's what I'm asking you to do. Instead, we follow up with complaints instead of obedience. If we're not gonna do that to, doctor, to the doctor, then why would we do that to the great physician? Right, and so in those moments, I mean, let's, let's, let's not just complain, but let's lean in. So are you willing to pick up your mat and walk? And some of you this morning, you're like, ah, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait. Maybe he does want me to pick up my mat. Maybe he doesn't. I'm not sure, but I'm just going to wait. And I want you to know waiting is a good thing. But Olivia Perupski, 17-year-old, my 17-year-old daughter, she said this in a sermon that she preached here in at, in at Fine Arts Festival. She said it this way. Maybe you're waiting on God. But maybe God's waiting on you. Right? You may be waiting on God, but maybe God is waiting on you. He's waiting on you to take the first step. 
He didn't grab the paralytic by the hand. He gave the commandment. It was up to the paralytic to pick up his mat and take that step because Jesus didn't take it for him. But out of obedience, he grabbed the mat, he took that step, and at instantly he was cured. And so maybe it's time for some of you today to pick up your mat and walk. Our last question this morning is, are you willing to face the critics? Are you willing to face the critics? Verse 10 through 13, and it says, so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, right? This is a holy day. This is a day of rest. And the law forbids you to carry your mat, as in you are, you are working, you are laboring, you are doing something that you should not be doing. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? Can you just, for a moment, do you see what the paralytic did? He's being challenged by the religious leaders, by the Pharisees. And who did he say he obeyed? Because they're saying, you didn't obey us. And he's like, hey, I don't know about you, but for the last 38 years, you could have cared less about me. For the last 38 years, you left me there by the pool. You didn't come and help me. You didn't let me be the first one in. But this guy, who I don't even know who it is, he asked me if I wanted to get well. And so my answer was yes. I leaned more into what he had to say than what you had to say. And I wonder today if we need to lean more into what Jesus has to say than what those around us have to say. It ends with the man who had healed me had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away in the crowd that was there. You see, the Pharisees would walk around town on the Sabbath. This was normal, right? So they would walk around town and make sure that you were walking and living in obedience to the law. Now understand something. If you were to look into the law, nowhere would you, would you see anything that this man did was wrong. And here's why. The Pharisees believed that, that when Moses came down with the law, that there was a written law. But what the Pharisees also said and taught was that not only did he come down with the written law, he came down with an oral law. And so Moses' oral law has been passed down to us religious leaders from, from segments of time to time to time, from generation to generation. And so there's a written law you need to obey, but there's an oral law. That oral law was nothing but a bunch of man-made rules that the Pharisees could hold, hold you and keep you oppressed and accountable to. And so he's doing nothing wrong, yet, yet they're saying, hey, you can't use your mat. There's no way that you could pick this up today. You see, they wanted to control people. They didn't have the love that we're supposed to have. You see, the Sabbath was made to keep you from labor, but not from love, right? Today, the Sabbath is meant to keep you from labor, but it's not meant to keep you from love. If your religion, if your ideology, if your political affiliation keeps you from loving people, then you may wanna change your ideology. You may wanna change your political affiliation. You may wanna say, Jesus, if, if I'm gonna follow you and you are love, and you're asking me to love people, then what you're asking is more important than maybe this philosophy that I have. For God so loved the human race that he made in his image that he gave his one and only son. Because ultimately what we're saying, God, the people you created are not worth me loving. Hmm? And so we lean in and we love. So never allow the critics to keep you from your calling. You are called to love God, love your neighbor, and, and love yourself. So never 
never allow the critics to keep you from your calling. You see, after the examination, you may face adversity from people around you, but don't allow adversity to keep you from your prosperity. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about what God has for you, right? The dreams and the visions and the hopes and the plans in the future. And, you, and sometimes we hit pause and we're like, man, it's just, it's so hard and I don't know if I can get there. Do you have any idea how hard it is to eat healthy? I'm just, three weeks, three weeks tomorrow, I've been trying to eat healthy. Sweet Lord. And no one makes it easy, right? Like I walk into Walmart, Walmart rearranged their store. And do you know what the first thing they do when they put, you walk in? They put all the candy, all the chips, all the donuts, and all the pop right there for you to grab. So now I gotta walk into Walmart like this. <laughs> Jerks. One of the things for me, I've been drinking pop since I was, I can't even remember when. I've, I have, it is normal for me. This is everyday life. Like I, what's wrong with drinking a two liter a day? Well, how bad could it be for you? Supposedly pretty bad. <laughs> But do you know how hard it is? I've told my wife, and I'm like, listen, boo, it's been like three weeks. How about, how about just one? Just one. Because like, when I drive back McDonald's and I see that hand with a large Coke being extended out the window, I feel like something is calling me like, come here, this is for you. Like, I just want to drive and I want to get in the drive-thru and be like, yes, freedom. Like, ah, what is that? That's so hard so hard but no one ever said it would be easy and so got to be willing to, to have that grit and that tenacity but what I do know is you'll see some results and it's no different in our spiritual life if we want to grow spiritually we have to push through the adversity we got we got to be willing to do the hard work we got to be willing to get up and pick up our mat and walk do you know right here right now in this moment this is an opportunity for breakthrough because this is a place where breakthrough begins like this is a place where you go man i'm gonna lean in i'm gonna pause you haven't even been here for longer than 51 minutes and that's not a shameful thing what i'm saying is there's plenty of time there's plenty of time to go okay what do these five questions mean to me and can I just lean in for one, for one other? Because when you read this story, you're like, oh, it's all about his friends and his family, and they didn't help him. People are not the barrier to your breakthrough. You are. You. There was one person that Jesus asked, do you want to get well? There was one person he said, hey, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. You are that one person today. He is speaking individually to you. It doesn't matter what the person on your left or on your right is thinking or doing. The only thing that matters in this moment right now is are you willing to be well? Are you willing to be examined? Are you willing to check your waiting room? Are you willing to, to do the hard things? Are you willing to, to get up and pick up your mat and walk? Are you willing to face the critics after service when someone's like, hey, where were you today? Gas station? You know what? I went to church. 
And man, I want you to know that I had an opportunity to worship. I had an opportunity to meet with Jesus. And out of everyone there, I don't know how they experienced him, but I want you to know I experienced him. And it was in that moment. You know, he changed the paralytic's life. After 38 years, he healed him and he picked up his mat and he walked. I want you to know for 15 years, for 10 years, for five years, for one day, I was stuck and I was, I was in a struggle. I had issues and I was worried and my fear and my anxiety and I had an addiction and all I wanted to do was to be free and it was on that day where I, I wanted to get well more than I wanted to be sick. And it was on that day where I, hear, I heard Jesus say, then get up, pick up your mat and walk. If you're here this morning with every eye closed and your head bowed, and you'd say, man, I wanna to get to know this Jesus. I wanna have that kind of encounter with Jesus. If that's you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, with no one looking around, would you just slip your hand toward heaven this morning? Because I'm gonna pray with you. If that's you, that's me, I want a relationship with Jesus. Thank you. The second question that I'm gonna ask you, and I've already asked it, because Jesus is asking it, do you want to get well? because I'm gonna pray. And when I'm done praying, our worship team is gonna, be, is gonna start to sing. And here's what I, all I'm gonna ask you to do. Right, if that's you and you say, man, I wanna get well, then I'm gonna encourage you to get up, pick up your mat and walk. Come down to the front, come down to the altar and say, Jesus, I'm here for you. Just like the paralytic experienced you, I wanna experience you like never before. So Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you that we can call upon you and those that call upon your name are saved. And so we're so grateful for the hands and the hearts that, that said yes to you today, to following you, to having a relationship with you and Jesus in these next few moments. Lord, I pray that you would stir every heart, that there would not be one heart here that wouldn't have an opportunity to have an encounter with you, to experience you like never before. And so Jesus says, we're, we're willing to be examined. We're open to your Holy Spirit moving in our lives because God, our answer to your question, do we wanna get well is yes. Yes, every hindrance and every struggle, everything that's held me back, God, I wanna be made whole in you today. So Jesus, I'm willing to get up out of my seat. I'm willing to, to make my way and take that first step just as the paralytic did because God, I wanna be cured. I wanna be healed. I wanna be made whole. So Jesus, by your spirit, won't you do?